Your Preparation Station with Donna Miller is on the air. Tune in for insight and encouragement for living a more sustainable, back-to-basics lifestyle. No matter where you've come from or what the future may hold, we hope each episode will encourage you with topics, guests and stories that inspire your journey towards self-sufficiency. And now, the hostess of your preparation station, Donna Miller. Welcome to your preparation station. I'm really glad you're with me today. As usual, I have a a very interesting guest. This is an opportunity that I don't have too very often. I actually had the opportunity to meet this person first, go and attend um, a talk that she just was so generous to share with our local group that we have, our preparedness and self-reliance group. And she's also written just recently for Prepare Magazine, and hopefully we'll have more things from her in the future. But this is kind of cool because in a class setting, uh, you don't get to talk to someone too much. You know, they're teaching and imparting as much as they can during you know the allotted amount of time, and you sit and absorb and go, ooh, cool, ooh, cool. This is awesome. But this is a nice chance for me to get to visit. Um, be- so before we start this, this is my usual spiel, which is, always do some type of due diligence, some type of um, background checking type of recon before you just totally buy into something someone is telling you when it comes to being prepared or self-sufficient or um, planning for an emergency or going off grid. All these kind of things when it comes to um, a chosen lifestyle, it's easy to scan the internet and find armchair quarterbacks or you know, great researchers. They haven't really put the boots to the earth and done it yet, but they may have some decent information. My preference is to find somebody who is doing stuff. They're getting their hands dirty. They're trying it. They're making mistakes. They're learning. Um, And to me, those are always the best facilitators. And my guest today is absolutely a great facilitator uh, versus a Someone tells you you got to do it exactly their way. They they want to see you learn and grow, and that's the type of person I hope you seek out when you're trying to find advice for being more self-sufficient or um, being more just well prepared. Because a lot of people they push your buttons, they scare you, they want to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge, and they don't have your best interest in heart. So I haven't said this little spiel in a while, although I've done the show for huh, eight years now. Wow. Um, that's really important to me. So I hope that you will do that. If you've never heard me say that before, you're hearing it for the first time. So that's good. Um, I'm really glad to have Abby Artemisia with me today. We um, had the opportunity to meet. She she wrote into the magazine contributor's desk. And as every author gets kind of vetted, um, someone's like, oh my gosh, you need to check this out. She actually lives not far from you guys. So... Um, it was really interesting. We had some things coming up at our local preparedness group, and I just asked her, probably bugged her, <laughs> if she would come in real life and talk to our group because she has an area of expertise that has always interested me, and I know it interests a lot of our members of the group, um, and that is you know, wild edibles and foraging, and she has the background as a botanist to kind of back it up um, and definitely has put her due diligence in with um, trial and error and getting her hands dirty, really no pun intended, of, of living this lifestyle. So I was really excited when Abby came to teach, and it was a very um, exciting class. We got a lot of great comments on it, and we'll talk more about that, how she teaches. Um, I thought it was really very interactive and involved. It was neat. But let me introduce you to Abby. Um, Abby is a botanist, herbalist, and a professional forager living in the small community at the base of Mount Mitchell in the Blue Ridge Mountains. If anyone doesn't know, Mount Mitchell is the highest peak here on the East Coast. Um, She was raised and received her botany degree in Ohio, and she's worked on organic farms across the country, including the West Coast, where she learned about plant medicine and spirituality from Native Americans. She became a mom. And then she started her own herbal tea company and an apprenticeship in herbalism. She now teaches about edible and medicinal plants and mushrooms while foraging as much as possible herself. Her mission, which I think this is, I love the way this is written, her mission is to inspire nature reconnection and health empowerment. Um, 
we had a fun class, and I'm really excited to bring Abby to talk with you guys again today. Um, if anybody's listening that got together the class, I hope you'll leave a comment. Um, do I have a good connection with you, Abby? Yep, that's great. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you're doing the show with me today. I'm, I'm excited to introduce you to the listeners and just kind of let you um, enlighten them on what it is and what it entails as far as um, foraging and wild edibles and all of that fun stuff. There's so much that we overlook as food just because we don't recognize it. Um, what got you started with this? <laughs> Well, first of all, thanks for that lovely introduction. It was really great. <laughs> and I'm really happy to be here. So uh, what got me started is, as I said in our class, um, I was just really lucky to have the opportunity to be an outdoor kid. Um, my parents let me run wild in the woods and the creeks by our house when I was little. And um, I could usually be found climbing a tree or um, rock hopping, things like that. So that's really how I got started. I went to a lot of outdoor camps and from there um, was itching to see more of the world. And so went out west right after I turned 18 and worked on some organic farms, as you said, and ended up living with a Native American family. And that was great because I got introduced to the other side of plants, the spiritual side of plants, and the medicinal side of plants. So um, I feel like I kind of have, uh, have had the full spectrum of the plant world. Um, I also, as you said, have my own herbal tea business, and from there went back to school and got to see the academic side of botany. And um, yeah. now I have my own business. And does herbal tea business keep you really busy with with people wanting certain things? Um, does it keep you from going and foraging, or are you try to manage both of those? Well, um, I don't have an herbal tea business anymore. I had an herbal tea business when I was in Ohio for five years, and um, at that point it did take me away from the plants because mm. I didn't know very much at that point about wild plants. And so I was ordering from big companies, and I would have to get in big stockpiles of herbs and take inventory and consistently have the same products. So... Um, I just wanted to be with the plants more and learn more, and that was when I got the opportunity to go back to school. And so now it's really a mix. I have lots of different facets of my business, which involve um, a lot of teaching and then also wild foraging and wild crafting, which is foraging herbs, and then making my own herbal products from those. But I let everyone know that it's not going to be consistent. It's going to be whatever is available in any time of the year. Yeah, I like. I actually like that. Um, in kind of a, a segue, when Abby came to teach class, she laid out a whole lot of products that she had made from things that had been foraged and grown uh, wild around the area. And even she even pointed out how to jars or bottles, I guess, of, of the pepper sauce weren't the exact same red because of the time of year when different ingredients were harvested. So you, you don't have that mass production cookie cutter. You have a real handcrafted um, feel to everything that you make. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, now, okay, I have to ask this question because someone may be <laughs> going, okay, what is the difference between, well, now, first off, what is a professional forager? What would you consider? <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, it's one thing, I'm sure, and someone else is like, what is that? How do you, how, actually, my daughter asked, how the heck do you get that job? Um, <laughs> what is, she wants it. How, what is a professional forager? Right. Well, I think that's a really great question. 
Um, and so when I graduated with my botany degree, you know, I was left with this question of what do I do now? Um, and that was a tough one. Luckily, I had the experience of owning my own business before. So I knew that I had that option. And my other options were, okay, do I go work in a lab somewhere, which is what a lot of people with botany degrees are doing, um, which is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be out in the field. Um, so there was another option of, okay, I could go do plant surveys, which would be very structured, what somebody else is telling me to do and to record. And so what I chose was I'm going to do this my own way. And so that's one of the ways I support myself, mostly during the warmer months of the year, so spring through fall. And, um, and there's two different ways that I do it because people always ask me, you know, do you go out in the woods somewhere where you know where these things are with the intention of collecting them, or do you just go out and collect whatever you find? And it's actually a mix of both. So um, over the years of being in the same place, I learn where to find specific things that um, are usually more edible, more tasty, or more medicinal, um, the, the things that are more desirable. And um, then I also try and get into the woods every day. That is my intention because I'm a much saner and nicer person <laughs> when I do that. <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> yeah, but on the foraging side, professionally, um, I, I am now working with a friend, Ryan, and um, it's really lucky that we found each other. He's a neighbor of mine, and um, we do the same kind of work. So we've been partnering up, and we go out in the woods, and sometimes we'll be looking for something specific, like um, we do harvest chaga mushrooms, which have become really trendy right now, and several other mushrooms. Um, those aren't specifically for chefs, but there are some other mushrooms that chefs love, and then lots of wild edibles. And so we'll either go out looking for those because we know where they are, or we'll go out on a hike for often for something else and then tend to find something that we hadn't been planning on finding. And um, yeah, the best way to do that is to just go out for a big chunk of time so that we make sure we have enough time to, to really explore and then collect as much of those things as we can while at the same time still being ethical about it. And so only collecting mm -hmm. a small percentage of what is there so those can continue to um, grow and propagate themselves. So there will be more there for us, but also for the wildlife and habitat. And so you get... Um doesn't hurt to live outside of Asheville where herbal medicine or um, local wild food is actually is actually something that people seek out and so do they find you and say hey can you go look for this is it in season is that how they is that how they track you down um, no actually we have mostly tracked them down most of the mm -hmm. time so um, my friend Ryan, he will sell the products that we make because a lot of people, um, it can be hard when you're first starting off. Something can look really cool and you know that it's really nutritious and good for you, but sometimes you just don't know what to do with it. So mm -hmm. a lot of times we will make a product out of it and then he'll sell it at the Asheville Farmer's Market. But then as far as the raw materials go, uh, we will shop them around at local Asheville restaurants. And most of the chefs know what to do with those things most yeah. of the time. Those are some of my favorite places to visit where you're eating local and locally harvested or locally foraged foods. Um, I think being just outside the Asheville area, you, you really get to know what should be growing around your area. And um, then the trick is hooking up with somebody like you who can teach how to find that kind of stuff if you're ever in an emergency and you need to eat something that you're not going to buy in a grocery store. Um, Abby, teaches, 
Abby teaches a lot of classes, and I do want to come back after this little break here and talk about some of her classes, some of the things she's got on the calendar coming up, um, and, and just kind of maybe even some of the past ones that she's done to give you an idea. Um, before we leave, though, I want to make sure that I can verbally give you uh, where to find out and to connect with Abby as well because there will be notes in the show below. But just in case you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other millions of places we have these shows air, uh, you may just be driving or you may have downloaded this and be listening while you're walking, which is great. But you can check out her website at mightyoakfromlittleacorn.com, which I love that. It's actually easy to remember for me for some reason. Um, if it, we'll repeat it a couple more times. Mighty Oak from littleacorn.com. You can connect with Abby on her website there. Sign up for her newsletter as well. And also, you can go to Facebook and just type in Abby Botanist Herbalist. It's pretty easy. And she's also on Instagram. So we will put all of these links in the show page, but we'll repeat them also in case you're listening later. But when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk with Abby about some of her classes that she's done, some of the things she's got coming forward, um, and what people could expect to learn when they connect with her. We'll be right back. Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and you're subscribed. Consider signing up for the pre membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine, encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. Here's how you can save $10 on the mill of your choice. Go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store and use the promo code radio at checkout. That's R-A-D-I-O at checkout. Or you can call 828-536-4988 during weekday business hours and get the same savings by phone. Either way, your order is shipped to your door without shipping charges. Remember, you can go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store or call 828-536-4988 and use the promo code RADIO. Your preparation station is on the air. Thank you for staying through and listening to a word from our sponsors. And um, I'm really glad that you're here with us today to listen in with my conversation with Abby Artemisia. Um, she is local to our area that uh, we live in, and that is the Western North Carolina area. So she has been relocated here from Ohio. Um, Abby, are you learning like two different real different climates and and what grows here that never grew where you were? Are you finding a lot of new stuff since you've moved here? Well, it's a little bit of a mix. I see a lot of the same plants here that I saw in Ohio, um, but there's also more diversity here. Um, I'm still trying to find a source on this, but I recently heard that this area, western North Carolina, went from number two in the world for the most biodiversity to number one in the world. That's great. Um, I would not surprise me because it, this is, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's a temperate rainforest. Is that what we actually live in? Yes. Um, someone, someone told me that it was it, because of the, the climate fluctuation and the amount of rain, that's what we're considered. And lately we've had a lot of rain. Um, 
I'm waiting for the sun. I, I can do like four days of no sun. That fifth day, someone needs to peel me off the floor. Um, I need a little bit of sunshine. Um, but yeah, this is. It always seems like there's something, even in in what would seem like a very dead of winter, kind of growing and and percolating, and you know, even in some of those obscure, strange nooks and crannies of the the Western North Carolina mountains. Um, just totally blessed to live in an area like this. It's awesome. Um, anybody listening, sorry if you don't live here. I'm, I will gu- I will gush about it. I love it. I'm not um, originally from here, so when we came here, it was I was really excited. Um, great great climate and everything else. So, uh, but when when you came here, did you un- come with the intention of starting classes and and doing that? Yes, I definitely did. Um, Part of the reason why I moved is um, I have a daughter who is just about to be a teenager later this month. And um, yeah, Um, so part of my intention was to get her into a more rural, more natural area. And that's definitely what we did. Um, And also for myself, as well, and also um, there's there's really more demand for what I teach here, and more outlets, which is mm-hmm. really fantastic. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure. I'm sure there are a lot of people that, you know, once they once they hear about what you have to offer, um, you know, your clientele will grow, and even more. Each year, as you, you know, recycle, people couldn't get to one class and then come to another one. So, speaking of which, what kind of things do you teach? What have you What have you done so far? Right. Um, I mean, I feel pretty blessed as far as who I've been connected with and what I've been able to do. Uh, just this past May, I taught with Natalie Bogwalker of Wild Abundance, and yep. uh, we had a three-day wild edible backpacking trip on the Appalachian Trail. They've been doing that for several years now, and it was super fun. And so I got to teach alongside her and Luke Cannon and Doug Elliott, who are some of my favorite people in the world and teachers. So that was really great. Um, I also got to teach... Um, at my friend Tom Brown III, who I'm sure lots of your listeners know about. Mm -hmm. And he has a brand new school called Earth Village Education, which is in Virginia. And I'm excited to go back and teach there next year. Um, I teach at a lot of herbal conferences. So I just um, last month taught at the Southeast Wise Women Herbal Conference right here in North Carolina. I usually teach at the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference in Wisconsin and um, just lots of great opportunities. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've, you've spanned a, a wide area to reach out and just teach more people. Let me ask you this question. Where, because you're a teacher, and you, oh, I have to say this, from a firsthand experience, when Abby came to teach the class that, that um, was for our group, and <laughs> I've... I initially thought, and I think Abby, you did too. You're going to kind of do like a slide presentation. And my favorite thing on the planet was that you came in with baskets of what looked like branches and leaves and weeds and stuff. <laughs> it was it was so great. Um, I had more comments on our group uh, after that class that they were just happy to get their hands on the things that you were talking about instead of just looking at it. So mm, you, thanks. Yeah, it was great and. She passed her stuff, and we ate it. That was the best part. Because I mean, it wasn't like we had a buffet or something. It was, it was here. Try this. It's edible. Here, try this. This is what it tastes like. This is what you can do with it. Um, extremely informational for a jam-packed couple of hours, um, and having to bring the outside in, which so I thought you did really good with that. For the most part, though, most of your most of your stuff is outside. People are are literally walking around with you. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's a mix. I mean, that is my favorite thing to do is to take people outside and teach about what's growing right outside our back doors. 
And mm-hmm. so that's what I love to do. But um, to be realistic, you know, we're going into the colder months and um, I still have to support my family. And I still, you know, want to bring that, what you said earlier about what my mission or purpose is about empowering and reconnecting people. So that's really important to me so I don't just stop teaching in the colder months. Um, there, there are some things we can do outside. There are a few wild edibles you can still forage. Um, but and, and it's nice to learn things like tree identification in the winter when it's a little bit tougher and more challenging. But um, realistically, most people aren't going to want to go on a two to three hour plant walk <laughs> in the middle of February. <laughs> no, so, not too many. <laughs> so that's the time um, where I do more indoor teaching. And um, I tend to teach more about herbalism and then um, kind of the how-tos of foraging that you can talk about when you can't get outside as much. So like what tools are good to have? What are great resources, books and online resources? And then I do do things like slideshows. But I'm also really excited because I'm getting ready to do some online video courses and um, one thing I'm getting together is a course which I'm planning on calling Botany for Everyone because I don't feel like there's anybody really teaching botany to foragers, herbalists, and the general public and making it really accessible and not super academic and scientific. Okay, there oh, will be some great. of that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is great. Um, my my grandfather uh, was a botanist, and growing up, it was constantly identify this plant, identify that tree. You know, it was it, my whole life was like that. You know, and so there is, but there is an element in academia that it's very rigid instead of um, you know, and very academic, obviously. You know, trying to memorize the genus and species and all that kind of stuff and keep that all right. in your brain um, that mm-hmm. might turn some people off when they really could just figure it out and then start to use it. Uh, yes. So that's, that's cool. I'm excited about that. I will have to tell my daughter Thanks. that one too. <laughs> she, she's always been very interested in that as well. So, so when you first get with someone, um, do, you, do you try to tell them how to find um, what's closest to them as far as what's edible? And, and how would someone go about that? They should take a class. They should get a book. I mean, is that kind of what they need to do? Yeah. So um, I do try and focus on the most common things in the area and the things that are realistically the best tasting and the most medicinal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and make it fun. So I like to teach um, directly to people. That would be you know, the apprentice style of learning, the really hands-on style of learning is my favorite and the way that I learn the best. So I try and put that out there um, and, and again make it accessible for people. Um, I didn't have a choice when I was learning this stuff of of learning from someone. I went to school for botany, but I quickly found out that as much as that education helped me with plant identification and the foundations of botany, it really taught me very, very little about, okay, now I know what this plant is, now what do I do with it? So um, I feel like it can be tough to learn from a book uh, every book is different, and some books could have a good picture of that, but a, not a good picture of this. Or some books don't have pictures, or some books contradict each other. So I feel like it's a lot easier to learn directly from a person. Mm-hmm. Well, I I know when you taught the class, the first thing I did is start taking pictures of the things that you passed around, because then I could identify them much easier. Right. Because I had exactly what you were talking about in my hand versus a flat two-dimensional or one-dimensional picture or a sketch. Sometimes that's the worst. Um, (laughs) I can't stand that when I'm looking at a book for a sketch. It's like, well, that could be 20 different leaves. I don't know what that is because someone just drew it by hand. 
Um, right. So I think that's that's useful and helpful, like you said, actually tactile right there in more of a, an apprenticeship uh, kinesthetic type of connecting with the plants, really, um, mm-hmm. to, to find out what usefulness they have. Um, so you've taught several different places, and I, I know you've got some things coming up in the very near future. Hopefully when this airs, um, people will have a chance to connect with you. What do you have coming up? Well, this Saturday, November 7th, I have a class with my friend Ryan that's called If You Can Dig It, and it's all about wild edible roots. And um, fall is a really fantastic time for digging roots. It's um, the vitality of the plant is really in the roots this time of year. So um, it's all about which plants can, can you harvest the roots of, which are edible, and then um, those also have some medicinal properties. We're going to be focusing specifically on roots like dandelion, chicory, burdock, and Jerusalem artichoke and um, talking about all of their health benefits and why they're so nutritious. But then also we're actually going to demonstrate how do you dig those roots because there are some of those roots at Red Moon Herbs, which is where we'll be teaching, which is in Asheville. And um, so show the best ways to dig those because sometimes it can be a little challenging. Show how to process them, so how to clean them, how to dry them, and then also demonstrate how to cook them and send everyone home with some recipes. So that should be fun. That's great. Some taste testing. Yeah. And then um, the week after, the following Saturday on the 14th of November, we're going to have a class called Squirrel Camp, (laughs) which (laughs) is not about hunting squirrels, but it's about um, harvesting nuts. (laughs) So awesome. how do you, yeah, which nuts, which wild nuts can you harvest? And then a lot of people are really challenged by, okay, once you harvest them, then how do you process them? Because some of them can be rather hard. <laughs> so this, uh, we'll talk yeah. about that. The black walnut here is really, the black walnut's pretty rough um, in yeah, Western North Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, so we'll do some of that, and then we'll, we'll you know, have some taste tests and talk about how do you identify the different types of walnuts and different types of hickory nuts, how do you process acorns, that kind of thing. So I, I have to ask this question because acorns are, are one of those things. Are there acorns that you can't eat, or are all of them edible? Um, all of them are edible. And it's really like a lot of things when it comes to wild edibles and wild medicinals. It really depends who you talk to um, and what their opinion is because you can uh, talk to 10 different people and get 10 different opinions, so, or more. (laughs) Um, But some people say that the acorns from the white oak category are the best. Excuse me. Excuse me, that they are the least bitter and um, they have the least, because they have the least amount of tannins in them, so ah. um, that they're the best for eating and they take less processing. Some people say red oak acorns are just fine. And those, you know, there's, it gets a little complicated from here when you get into the botany because <laughs> there's a white oak tree and there's a red oak tree and then there's also categories of white oaks and categories of red oaks that the various trees fall into. So we'll talk more about that <laughs> in the class. That's good. That's great when you have an actual tangible acorn and tree to compare to and figure out where you're getting what from. Um, yeah. You know, I, I Acorns have always been one of those things that I've I've heard you can eat, but I just never really knew, you know, <laughs> at what at what point, you know, is it right? Safe? Yeah, is it safe? And you know, I'm not going to just pick up something and pop it in my mouth, although I've been tempted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to do that with a lot of stuff, and usually it's one of my kids looking at me and goes, "Mama, don't do that," just just <laughs> because you don't know what that is yet. Just check it out first. Um, 
Well, we're going to come back with Abby and talk about some more of the classes that she has hopefully in store maybe as winter goes through and, and summer. And then ask a few more questions to see what kind of advice she could give somebody, some books she might want to share with us a few little options of books we might want to look for. Um, if you're interested in foraging and wild edibles, and it always does lead into medicinals because these foods are natural, they're the way they were intended, and they are good for your body, and they're going to do things for them. So it's, it's all wrapped up together. I know you, if you're listening to this, you're probably hearing Abby say that, but that is, is actually how it works. Um, it's not just a food. It is also a medicinal and a nourishment for your body to make it as healthy as possible. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that and um, come back after this brief word from another sponsor. So we'll be right back. National Geographic traveled all the way to Boone, North Carolina to select Turtle Island Preserve, a nonprofit outdoor discovery center and Appalachian Heritage Farm as one of the 100 most enriching destinations in North America. For over 26 years, families have gained enrichment while discovering nature, and more importantly, themselves. In a world where digital screens and push buttons have replaced actual contact with nature, Turtle Island's beautiful campus and knowledgeable staff reconnect its guests to their natural roots. While camping out, visitors learn vast amounts in our non-electric, wood-fired community. Hundreds of hands-on classes are offered, such as beekeeping, woodworking, primitive skills, and more, covering the gamut of early traditional living. A program for fathers and sons kicks off the summer season, followed by a five-day workshop for adults with renowned naturalist and director Eustace Conway. Turtle Island is a great destination for scouts, school field trips, homeschool, and special interest groups. Please visit our website and then visit our paradise turtleislandpreserve.org or call 828-265-2267. Your preparation station is on the air. All right, welcome back. Thank you so much for being with us to the end of the show. No more commercial interruptions after this. I promise. That's the last one. Um, we're going to finish out and talk with Abby about some things that she might have coming in the future, some things that you might be able to connect with her. But before we get into that, I do want to reiterate verbally her website and her Facebook page so that you can connect and um, hopefully ask her some questions, find out what classes are available that you might be able to come into the Western North Carolina, or maybe she's coming to your area. Um, and that is Mighty Oak from littleacorn.com. I will spell it. I didn't spell it last time, just in case someone is not picking up with my slight southern accent. It's M-I-G-H-T-Y. O-A-K-F-R-O-M-L-I-T-T-L-E-A-C-O-R-N. It's an entire sentence. Mighty Oak from Little Acorn. I know you've got to know what that means if you are if you've, um, are listening to this. It probably makes a lot of sense, and you'll remember it. I remembered it the first time I typed it in. You can also connect with Abby on her Facebook page at Abby Botanist Herbalist. Just put that in there. You'll pull her up, and you'll connect and see um, a lot of things that she has going on. She puts a lot of great pictures from some of her trips out there, um, things that she finds. Uh, it's kind of like just being able to follow along with what she does up in the woods and what she finds. It's kind of neat. Um, Abby, when it comes to that novice, let's just say, <laughs> like when you came to class, I was sitting there going, okay, I think I know like three things that I can walk out and just eat, most of which are, you know, dandelion related. Um, what, would you, what would you tell someone kind of a good starting point? Um, if they're just really new to this, what would you say they need to do first? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the first thing I tell people is try not to get overwhelmed. <laughs> there are thousands and thousands of species of edible wild plants and mushrooms out there. And in my opinion, the best way to learn is to pick one. <laughs> the one that's growing right outside your back door that you see every day and just learn everything you can about it. 
Um, look at it. Look at all its different parts. Research it. You know, I recommend to people to have at least three different books that you can cross-reference. Because as I was saying, some have pictures, some don't. Some have good pictures of some things but not of others. And, and there's all different kinds of books. So um, when you're ready to talk about that, I can recommend a few. But um, you know, there's books for identification. There's books about how do you work with this as an edible? How do you work with it as a medicinal? So um, it's great to have at least three to look at. And, and just research that one plant or that one mushroom. Learn everything you can about it till, you know, and in all stages of growth until anywhere you go you could recognize that plant. Well, you have a good point, all stages of growth, because that's part of, <clears throat> part of the, I think, mystery of it is at different times of year a plant's going to look different. Um, you know, when they first when they bloom or when really it's the root you're looking for. Um, so that's a, that's a good point. You just look at every stage so that you can recognize what that plant is. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I aspire to write about one day, to have <laughs> a very in-depth field guide with pictures at all different stages of growth. That's a good point. I, I've, every field guide I've ever seen, it's always, I would say, spring or summer. It's representing right. that plant in the, that time of year. And we've got two other seasons where it's completely left to guess. You know, uh, yep. I wouldn't be able to tell you what, what a ginseng root looked like right now this time of year because I don't know what the, they're just brown leaves to me. Um, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't mm-hmm. know. So that's a, that's a really good thing. Yeah, okay, get on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get, on that, get on that book right away. So, no. Okay. Um, because <laughs> uh, it is different times of year, and I've always wondered. I'm looking for a flower, but there are no flowers out on maybe the chickweed. Um, it's just all green. Right. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not flowering right now. So, um, speaking of books, you have I know on your website kind of a link, a reading list. Do you? Could you pick some favorites? Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, there are so many great ones out there. But um, I, I do like the Peterson Field Guides, and they are regional. So for our region, we would get the Eastern Central North America Field Guides. And um, the two that I use frequently are the Guide to Edible Wild Plants and the Guide to Medicinal Plants and Herbs. And um, there's a newer edition of the medicinal guide, so I would recommend getting the newer edition. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know one of the authors about that, and they really did their homework on that. So it's really great. Uh, Really, probably my favorite book right now is called Botany in a Day. And um, it teaches about botany through learning about plant families, which I love because once you start to see similar characteristics, you might not know what a plant is, but you'll recognize, um, okay, well, this has these characteristics, so it's probably in the mint family. Cool. Yeah. That, that kind of seems like it would help, help with the identification process a little bit, especially for someone who, like you said before, feels maybe overwhelmed. Yeah, definitely. Um, another one for our region is Wildflowers of Tennessee, the Ohio Valley, and the Southern Appalachians. That one has really great pictures in it. And um, there's a mushroom book that I don't have in front of me, but I believe it's called Mushrooms of Virginia and the Central Appalachians, or it might be West Virginia, but one of those. And and that's a good mushroom book. Um, Mushroom books, I feel like, are a little bit harder to use, but there are some good ones out there. And um, there's a ton of great herbal books that are, as you mentioned, on my website. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also a couple of newer foraging books out there, which are really great. I think one is called Southeast Foraging, 
by Chris Bennett, and the other one is Midwest Foraging by Lisa Rose, and those are really great. Okay. Yeah, it's always a recommendation of a book because you can walk into a bookstore and think <laughs> and think this book will be good and you you know and you get there and especially if you don't know anything about this topic you don't know whether you've got a good book or not so it's always nice to have a recommendation from someone like you who who says no this will be um, not just yeah another book that sits there and doesn't tell you anything. Um, you know, if you've actually used it and you've gotten use out of it, someone else will probably be able to, to kind of learn from it as well because you found it useful. Um, right. Do you have, like, other classes that, you know, they may not be coming up, like you said, we're, in, we're heading into cold weather. Um, what's your traditional, like, spring and summer class schedule like? Uh, well, I do have a series coming up this winter at uh, Mayland Community College in Yancey County near me, and that one is on um, herbal medicine making. So that will be nice because it will actually incorporate some local wild herbs or wild medicinal plants, and nice. um, it will be hands-on DIY. This is how you make a tea. This is how you make a tincture, which is an alcohol extract or other form of extract, um, syrups and salves, and um, nutritious and medicinal foods. So I'm really excited about that one. And then um, next year I'm going to start doing some wilderness first aid retreats, and those will be around this area and possibly other areas. And um, I'm partnering up with another friend who was a medic for decades and a professor. And so he teaches kind of more the Western medicine part, and then I teach the herbal part. And, okay, you're in a wilderness setting, and you need first aid. What plants are growing right where you are? And if those aren't available, what else is there that you can use right at that moment? Oh, that's great. Yeah, that sounds like something a lot of our listeners would be interested in. So I want to encourage people, if you are listening, to go by Abby's website, also her Facebook page, connect, uh, get on her newsletter. I'm sure you'll announce your classes through your newsletter um, sure. so that if people are interested, they can – shoot, everybody needs to make a trip to the western North Carolina mountains anyway. So even if you don't right. – if you don't live in the area, you come experience it at least once in your life. It's great. Um, but also you may actually be fortunate enough to have Abby traveling to an area near you. So um, I would like to encourage everybody to sign up for her newsletters on Mighty Oak from LittleAcorn.com um, so that you can keep connected and find out what her schedule is like. And, and you know, you may you may run into just the perfect opportunity. And I didn't know you were doing the thing in mainland. That'd be I think I need to announce that to a local group too, so um, I'll get some more information from you after we. Uh, so those are some ways that people can actually study with you a little bit more intensively, or are there other options? Yeah, um, there are, and I wanted to put it out there too to the listeners who are not in the area that I do travel, and it's not just to those places that I mentioned, but if somebody wants to bring me out, I can do that. Um, I do property surveys, but I also come out and teach pretty much anything people want in, in those topics. And, um, but I'm also looking for apprentices. I was mentioning my friend Ryan, who I teach with. We're looking for some apprentices to come out where we live in western North Carolina. And um, we're pretty flexible, but about a day a week or so. And just learn hands-on. This is how you forage. This is how you make herbal medicine. This is how you run a business, which not a lot of people are teaching these days. Um, and how do you do it being self-employed? So, yeah, we're teaching all of those things in a really old, kind of old style back to the days of apprentices. Cool. These things I need to tell my daughter. Um, <laughs> we actually are connected with a lot of people that this is an interest. So I hope that people that are listening, even if you don't live in this area, um, you know, if you're if you're coming by or you want to just kind of 
um, spend some time with Abby and Ryan as well, just be able to glean some things from them. There's nothing better than hands-on than really doing it. Um, you can you can search the web, or you can look at a book, or you can watch a show, or you can watch a video. But I mean, come on, it's real plants and real dirt and real food you want to get your hands on, uh, real medicinals, and the best way to do it is to just really do it. Um, you know, you can learn a lot of the other stuff, but you're not going to become proficient until, like Abby, you get out into the woods every day and just keep trying and, and learning from more and more that has been provided for you in nature. Um, are there any last things you'd like to share with anybody, anything I might have missed um, that we want to make sure people get to know about you? Right. Um, well, you know, I, there's a part of my story that I didn't share and that I don't often share, but I feel like it's important. And part of the way I really got into this was that I herniated a disc in my back and I was laid up for six months. And um, I really fell into pretty deep depression. And the main way I believe that I recovered from that was to go out in the woods. Um, I made myself get up out of bed, which was really what I needed anyway, and get out in the woods. And every day I would take a slightly longer walk. And um, just being out in nature is so healing, I feel like, for everyone. We've become really oh, yeah. disconnected in our culture. And I feel like everybody really needs that and a lot of the world's problems, a lot of problems um, with illness that we have and even violence and things like that can be solved by just spending more time in nature. And so I believe that that really healed me and it also taught me because, as I said, there was nobody teaching those things that I wanted to learn about wild plants. And so I did take some field guides out with me and I did learn one plant at a time. So mm -hmm. I just really encourage people that even if you can't get out in the woods every day, go spend, you know, at least five to ten minutes a day just sitting in nature. It can even be in your yard or on a park bench. But really believe we can heal the world that way. I totally agree. I think that we were provided with this beautiful surrounding. No matter where you're living, there's something beautiful to the natural surroundings that you have. And... Mm -hmm. We are sadly disconnected, um, plugged into screens and electronic devices and things. And, you know, in the blink of an eye, all the technology could be gone, and you're going to be faced with <laughs> the natural world around you, really. Um, better get to know it now because it really it, it's where you'll be grounded and feel so much better. It's natural for a reason. Um, it helps you naturally feel better as well. That's great. Great story, Abby. I appreciate it. Well, I'm I'm glad you came on. I was also just really excited to be able to sit in on a class, and I hope that uh, more people will connect with you and sign up for your newsletter and be able to travel or get you to come out to them. Thank you for spending the afternoon with me, Abby. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Donna. It was a great time. It was fun. Folks, we're going to sign off here on your preparation station. I would like to encourage you to connect with Abby at her website. Check the show notes below. Um, and again, I adore her mission, which is to inspire nature reconnection and health empowerment. And I think you will find just that when you guys connect. For now, this is Donna Miller signing off, and we'll talk to you again soon next time. God bless. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of your preparation station with Donna Miller. We would love to hear from you. Please connect with us at yourpreparationstation.com and on Facebook. Tune in again next time for another encouraging episode. Until then, keep growing and finding joy in the journey.